Trouble, Sinclair? Oh, yeah. Someone on Earth is about to watch Hillbilly Elegy on Netflix, and one of us oh. has to go down there and stop them. Look, I'm already busy tonight stopping people from watching both The Prom and Let Them All Talk. I'm completely booked with subpar marrow content. Plus, I already have my wings and they don't really suit me. Well, it's your own fault for ranting yourself to death. I gotta say, I look stunning in these wings. Also, sorry, I'm busy tonight. I'm peering in on Bradley Cooper. Well, someone has to go. It's Edison's turn anyway, and it's about time he got his wings. Well, he would have had them by now, but every time he goes down to stop somebody from watching a bad movie, he ends up just joining them and comes back saying he actually thought it was, quote, not that bad and so much fun. Mm -hmm. Classic Edison. Even in the afterlife. All right, I'll summon for him. Oh my god, you guys, I just had the best time with Whitney. (sighs) She had heard about Mariah's Christmas concert and, okay, Whitney loves that little lamb chop, but a diva is a diva, Hanny, and you know Whitney could not be outdone, so she staged a little impromptu concert for the Angels. Mariah had Ariana and Jennifer Hudson, but Whitney, baby, she had Aretha and Prince, so... Look, Edison, you gotta go down to Earth and stop someone from watching Hillbilly Elegy. And don't fuck it up. We're already in the shithouse for allowing people to watch cats for a full year. <gasps> but Idris Elba's luscious for Coda. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and remember 2018 when we all got lazy and Green Book won Best Picture? That cannot happen again. No, no. Mm-hmm. Yes, I know that's a sore subject, Helen, as it was a year's worth of Oscar night meltdowns that brought you here. This is such an important mission. If I succeed, guys, do you think I'll get my wings? I want to look like Heidi Klum in the final segment of the 2003 Victoria's Secret fashion show. A real angel. Well, you better get going because the Earth Dimension Barrier is about to open up and you're already late. Yeah, and um, make sure that you get us some more Patreon members while you're down there. Divinity! Here I go! Welcome to Talk Movie to Me, a weekly podcast where we discuss a movie we've all seen, our weekend entertainment, and an artist whose career we'd like to put in focus. I'm Helen. I'm Miss Sinclair. And I'm Edison. And yes, you guessed it. This is our fourth annual Talk Movie to Me Christmas special. Here come the bells, there go the bells, we are the bells. (laughs) In this special episode, we chose three different Christmas movies and one magical Christmas special and watched them all. (laughs) And now we shall discuss. As is tradition, we're all a bit drunk for this recording. (laughs) It is a prerequisite, so. (laughs) First up on our list is a movie that is easily considered one of the most classic Christmas films of all time. So it's the perfect one to start the episode. And that film is It's a Wonderful Life from 1946. Directed Mm -hmm. by Frank Capra and starring Jimmy Stewart, Donna Reed, and Lionel Barrymore. It's a Wonderful Life tells the story of George Bailey, whom we meet as he's growing up in the little town of Bedford Falls. George just wants to live a life of adventure, build skyscrapers, travel the world, and experience all that it has to offer. But life keeps getting in the way of his plans, and before you know it, George is an adult who has put his own hopes and dreams aside in order to help others, and he's miserable. George has a seemingly perfect life. He runs his father's building loan business, he's beloved by everyone in town, he has four adorable children, and a wife who literally couldn't be more perfect in every conceivable way. (laughs) (laughs) But George can't see all of that. He had these hopes and dreams, but didn't accomplish them. To him, his life has no meaning. He has made no impact. He's small. 
At rock bottom, George considers suicide, but is stopped just in time by Clarence, an angel sent down from heaven to save George by showing him what life in this town would look like if he had never been born. It's a Wonderful Life is a classic Christmas movie because it gets to the heart of the big questions. How do we measure the impact of our lives? What gives our life purpose? What did y'all think about this movie? I had never seen it until this year. I don't know how. That's crazy to me, Edison. <laughs> me too. Yeah, it is it's it is surprising that that you haven't seen it. This yeah. just seems like a movie that you would watch possibly every year. Well, I'm telling you, it will be a movie that I watch every year, no doubt. Oh, okay. Yes. Me, definitely not. I will Uh, probably not watch this again. What? Sinclair, no. (laughs) Listen, this movie's so grim. I was stressed. Like, this movie I found actually really stressful to watch. It is. I know. It's obviously a classic movie, but it's definitely not something I could watch all the time. I felt really affected. I just knew his each decision he was making and he was just trying to help others and it was just leading him down this path. And it's exactly why I just don't do anything for anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Words to live by. Words to live by. Just take care of number one, me, myself and I. Oh my God. And I, I gotta say I'm pretty I, I'm pretty content. Just put myself first. no I'm kidding I'm kidding (laughs) well you know what was so interesting about watching this now I mean I'd watched it a few times when I was younger but I haven't watched it as an adult and it was interesting to watch this so soon after watching Mank and talking about Citizen Kane Mm -hmm. um, and this era of filmmaking because Citizen Kane came out in 41 and this came out in 46 so Mm -hmm. pretty close together and I did have it a thought initially about you know something that made Citizen Kane so renowned or revolutionary was that the storytelling was different and I wonder if this kind it had a similar effect in some sense because we do get some unique storytelling Mm -hmm. with this movie you know it starts with an angel who's coming down to save George Bailey and then we get snippets of his life that are being shown to the angel to understand what his story is in my research of of the response to this film I didn't see anything that related it in that way but I it did make me think about the era that this film was made in and the impact that it would have been having on people I think what's really interesting about this film and its impact is that it didn't really have much at the time right and We tend to think of this now as being like one of the most classic Christmas films ever because it's something that everyone watches every Christmas. It's like very nostalgic and holds this place in people's heart, in our parents' hearts, because it was on Mm. all the time in the 70s. But this film is really, like you said at the beginning, Sinclair, it's intense. It's not like a happy, cheerful Christmas movie. Yeah, the premise is our main character's contemplating suicide on Christmas Eve. Like, that's... <laughs> I know, but that's why it has cheerful. remained a classic, is because this is actually universal. Not mm. necessarily the desire to commit suicide, but this sense of unaccomplished or an unfulfilled life. I think everyone mm, grapples right. with that. When you're in your 20s and when you're even younger, the world is so huge and big and open. It's all dreams, yeah. right? Like baby George is like eight and he's like, oh my God, I could fly to the moon and right. or whatever, right? What's that saying? Life happens while you're making plans. While yes. you're making, busy making, making other plans. plans. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's why this film has remained relevant for so long is because of that theme about you sh- should be happy with what you have. 
right? Mm -hmm. Like you said, Mm -hmm. life happens. That doesn't mean not to strive for more, not to have ambition or dreams. It just comes from recognizing that happiness comes from being grateful for the positive things that you have in your life already. This is like Mm -hmm. the original joy challenge. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. If you, you know, if you have the opportunity to travel and see the world and build skyscrapers and do all those things that George dreamed of doing, absolutely, of course, they would be more things to add to the list of things that contribute to his happiness. But like, it's a mistake to think that you'll only be happy if you have achieved these certain things, right? Because mm-hmm. then it'll never be enough and you'll never find it. I also think that it's really representative of the idea of the father figure in that classic nuclear family structure of that time Mm -hmm. where these men didn't want to communicate with their wives about these feelings or Mm -hmm. their problems or the financial struggles they just held it all inside and yeah it's that toxic masculinity of this time as well and you know they go home and they're miserable and they don't spend time with their children that kind of pressure on yourself is really sad this this idea that you're a failure to your family Well, they were both keeping up this facade, right? Mm -hmm. This is part of it. It's like, okay, we have these prescribed rules that we need to adhere to. She had to be the perfect housewife and he had to be the perfect husband. Yeah, they both had to fill these things and there was no open, honest communication between them until it was too late. We have to talk about Mary. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I just loved Mary in this. I thought she was just the sweetest when I was watching her. A part of me was like, oh, Mary, just... I don't know about George, Mary. (laughs) I wasn't sold on George. (laughs) Right before they get married, it's him going, I don't want to get married. Ah, Mary, I don't want to get married. And I'm Uh, I'm not going to marry anybody. (laughs) It's like, Mary just wants to be taken on a date, dude. (laughs) Yeah. Their actual, like, romantic trajectory was pretty lacking. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'd say. Um, But I did really love her. And... I don't know if you guys can like pinpoint her face as to who she reminds you of. But the whole time I kept staring at her being like, who do you look like? And the closest I could get to was Charmaine Carr, who plays Liesl in The Sound of Music. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was very entranced by watching her. And this is something I think over the past four years of Christmas specials that I have realized Mm -hmm. when I watch these older movies is I get so... (laughs) fascinated by these actresses you know from the time yeah from the 40s and the 50s yeah i thought that donna reed was wonderful in this Mm -hmm. it is a you know it's a supporting role it's she is playing this archetypal housewife character but she is given all of these opportunities to show small little bits right for subtleties Mm -hmm. in this performance you can see her worry her despair kind of coming out and you can see her strength and she was just so wonderful I loved her I listen I did laugh a little bit because Jimmy Stewart was almost 40 when he filmed this and Mm. he was supposed to be like in his early 20s when him and Mary were getting at the beginning yeah, at the beginning. Yeah. So he's supposed to be in his early 20s and Mary's supposed to be 18, but Jimmy Stewart was like almost 40. So mm-hmm. I did find it funny when there were scenes with uh, Mary's mother when Jimmy Stewart came over and they're sitting on the couch and she's like, what are you kids doing down there? And it's like, they're, they're two grown-ass adults <laughs> sitting <laughs> right. on the couch. Like it just, You just look and they look exactly like adults. So it just kind of seemed a little bit weird. But but then, and Mary's, and Mary's line, he's making violent love to me, mother. Yeah. <laughs> it's so perfect. Like, yeah. 
<laughs> and there was so much authenticity in this movie that I wasn't expecting. And because it's been so long since I've seen it, I I didn't clock that when I was younger. But I did, like, I thought Jimmy Stewart's performance was fantastic. And oh. this was his first film that he did post-World War II. Mm-hmm. And you can see so much emotional depth in him. Mm-hmm. And it's so rooted. And something that I love about the fact that we do see his life mapped out is we understand all these monumental times in his life and how they've contributed to him getting to this point where he can't take it anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just about the $8,000. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's not just about Mr. Potter. It's not just about the fact that he never traveled. You know, it's like all of these things culminating to get to this point and yeah, it's so it's so interesting because it really isn't a cheerful Christmas no. film until the very, very last moment. Yeah. And it also it is it's a bit grim in the sense, too, that it's not just life like we can't just blame life. Everything that George does is George's own decision. Yeah, that's right. True. So it is this element of this character who just has these regrets of their own choices mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, I think there's a bitterness there in that, too, because we can't just blame life. I do think it's interesting, though, when they go back and they sh- Clarence actually shows him what everybody's life would have been like without yeah. him, which I did also think of it in terms of alternate timelines. And that kind of bugged me a bit because I do think at the end of the day, if he wasn't there, I don't know if you guys thought this, too, while you were watching it, but if George wasn't there, I'm sure... All of that would not have happened that way. How do like, you I'm know? Sure, oh, that's, I'm sure yeah. Mary. Still, I'm sorry. Are you peering down from heaven? Do you have the sight of vision that Clarence, I, our angel, does? No, I did not think so. I just think that maybe that was created for George to see, but not actually how the timeline would go. I don't think. Wow, I think you that, would. You would think that he yeah, was being manipulated by the angels. That's so cynical. I can't. I think it was a fabricated timeline to to teach George something. <laughs> I don't think that that's actually how it would play out. I, I think that everybody's lives could still lead in a good direction if one person didn't exist. Yeah, that person's their memory would be gone obviously and your interactions with them yes but that's not to say that these characters lives would have been horrible without him well but some people have a larger impact than they realize and george being Mm. in the position that he was as the building loan manager at the owner of this bank had an outsized impact on the community that he just didn't realize yeah i just think it was a little i just think it was a little angel fabrication that's not actually uh well, yes, but your saying. cynicism is truly <laughs> anti-Christmas. I still think Mary could have thrived without George Bailey. For well, sure. okay, he, the, here's an interesting thing: is that this is actually based off of a short story called "The Greatest Gift," and mm. in that short story, the Mary character in the world without George do, is married to somebody else. So, yeah, of course, she's de- a real catch. In defense of that, in defense of that point. She's not going to be the like cat woman librarian necessarily. Yeah, I didn't exist. like that moment. I was like, come on. Like, no, Mary was a friggin' catch. All right. She would have done just fine. <laughs> One thing I want to mention just about this that I didn't know until I started looking up more information about this movie after that entire town of Bedford Falls is a set. Oh, that they built yeah. on the studio Absolutely. lot. Isn't yeah, that yeah. just incredible? 
everything. The snow. Yeah. It actually won a technical achievement Oscar because of the snow. The whole set was all just created for this. Like, ah, it just blows your mind. Yeah. So cool. So despite all of the dark feelings about this movie and the fact that it feels really relevant when you think about everything we've gone through in 2020 the final scene of this movie is very reassuring and really beautiful and it's you know the community coming together and donating money to save George's business and him realizing that he has all this beautiful all these beautiful wonderful people around him who love him and that that's really what the most important thing in life is. And they all sing Auld Lang Syne, which is one of my favorite Christmas songs. I, I think know. that song is so beautiful. Edison looks like he's going to cry. Oh, <laughs> I was ugly crying for this whole day. I can't. It was too much. When George's brother Harry comes in and says, cheers to George, the richest man in town. And I was like, mm. <laughs> but can I also just say, simultaneously to this as I was watching them crowd and crowd and crowd into that room I literally could feel my heartbeat racing and I was like holy mm. shit I'm having genuine anxiety because of all these people crowding together that I'm together. watching yes I know it was yes. so uh, weird I know it's a real thing it's like this COVID reaction to seeing so people weird get close on screen and yeah. you're like you're mm. not supposed to do that mm-hmm. but yeah and then there's that beautiful quote that George reads right at the end from Clarence, which is, remember, no man is a failure who has friends, which I think is just like, I want to put that on my fridge, you know, for the remainder of this COVID freaking situation that we're in. But, you know, it, yeah, just like recognizing the people that you have in your life that care for you and are special to you is that is the most important thing. Everything else is extra. Amen. Next up is a holiday classic from 1965. Poor Charlie Brown is depressed and confused about the true meaning of Christmas. All the decorations and flashy lights can't fill the void in dear Charlie's heart. Why does everyone seem so happy? Is Charlie missing something? Can he ever find real holiday cheer that means something to him? Charlie's search for the true meaning of Christmas leads him down a path of discovery with the help of a play, his friend Linus, and the whole Peanuts gang, and one very sparse but special Christmas tree. Mm. A Charlie Brown Christmas asks the question, In an overly commercialized world full of fake aluminum trees, money-hungry corporations, and the obsession with novelty, is the true meaning of Christmas? A subscription to Apple TV for $5.99 monthly and Mariah Carey's <laughs> Magical Christmas special? Because yes. I think it is. <laughs> yes, this is Charlie Brown's Christmas based off the classic peanut comics by Charles M. Schultz. Yeah, I found it really ironic that <laughs> you have to sign up for Apple TV to watch a Charlie Brown Christmas this year. The Charlie Brown specials have been on PBS for decades. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Apple TV actually bought the rights to them. So people were really pissed about this. Yes, mm. as they should be, because it literally is antithetical to the entire point Message of, Charlie, of Brown. Charlie Brown's Christmas. Yeah. yeah, so Apple actually had to allow these specials to be broadcast on mm-hmm. PBS at one, one point during the holiday seasons. Mm. Yeah, I just thought it was so ironic because 
it's all about the loneliness of consumerism and Mm -hmm. now apple tv has this you have to subscribe to watch and we'll get into this but it's also paired (laughs) with the mariah carey christmas special which is the epitome of extravagance and listen we'll get into that we'll get into that yeah (laughs) yeah what did you guys think of the film i mean i watched this when i was a kid it's been again it's been a while since i've seen it and i'm not like super super familiar with peanuts comic strip but i know it but watching this i was just like why is everyone so fucking mean to charlie brown yeah Mm. Like, yeah. so mean. Like, this is bullying to the nth degree. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. It's horrible. The, the humor in this is also so dark, too. Mm-hmm. And it's so dark. It's why I knew you would love this, Sinclair. <laughs> it's true. I actually got a big kick out of Charlie Brown I'm Christmas. Sure I, I actually hadn't seen this. I This oh. was not my go-to when I was a kid for Christmas. I was never shown this at all and then I just for some reason had never watched it but it it honestly was right up my alley I yeah really liked it there's a great line just right at the beginning where I thought it was awesome immediately where Linus says to Charlie Brown he says oh Charlie only you could make a problem out of Christmas (laughs) (laughs) out of all the Charlie Browns in the world you're You're the the Charlie Browniest Browniest. I know but this this movie is really interesting like I remember watching this a lot as a kid and Mm. none of it landed I just Mm -hmm. was like oh get this like laughing at the Christmas tree or whatever right like Mm -hmm. it's a cartoon that you watch and then I rewatched it a couple of Christmases ago and I was like, whoa, wait, what? This is a totally different movie than I thought. It's like yeah. deep. And it's very Christian, absolutely. But yes. guess what? So yeah. is Christmas. <laughs> so <laughs> true. the movie is really good. And it's this anti-consumerist a- appeal and it's a deeper conversation. And that I like, I knew that you would love that and appreciate that because it's different. And for being a 25 minute long Christmas yeah, movie. Yeah, it's just an episodic special. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, it's really stood the test of time. Like, it has l- mm-hmm. lasted. Well, I find the characters are so interesting and they each represent something in their own way. Like, Lucy is just straight up capitalism. Yes. Mm. There's that part where she's talking about how she's <laughs> mad she gets all these toys for presents and all she wants is real estate. Real estate. <laughs> she has her psychiatric booth and makes yes. Charlie pay and then she's like the sound of money the sound of money <laughs> but that is actually one of the saddest parts in in the film because basically Charlie is depressed and he has to mm-hmm. pay for mental health support and right. she's going to diagnose him with everything that she can every phobia yes. that every exists every possible dime that he could pay yeah. yeah and they're mean to Pigpen he's that dirty Mm-hmm. I don't. Kids. That's another thing. Pigpen, like little are pig you pen. serious? Yeah, yeah. Little pig his pen. name is Pigpen. He's obviously a not well off, poor boy. Like, why are we all making fun of freaking Pigpen? Well, because girl, <laughs> this is what it was. There was a there was a family of like poor people in my hometown the same way like them, and they mm-hmm. were all called the Dirty Eddies. That's this was a, oh yeah. a full generation before I was ever existed, but they yeah. were so well known that my nickname was Dirty Eddie, and I was not dirty, but it was just because <laughs> my name is Edison. Wow. <laughs> That's so sad. Wow. 
Uh, and then there's, you know, Schroeder on the little toy piano. And I, yeah. I love Schroeder because he he represents real art. And I love that he's playing mm. his classical Beethoven. music. He's playing Beethoven. And I do yeah. really like the part where Lucy can't hear the art that he's playing. Yeah. Like she doesn't Brilliant. get it. Uh-huh. She just doesn't get it. She's not hearing what he's hearing. And I just, yeah. I, I just thought that's such a great moment. I think that the music to this film is a huge part of why it has been so successful and remained successful over the years. I have the vinyl record of the Charlie Brown Christmas. Uh I have been playing Mm -hmm. it nonstop since December 1st. It's really beautiful, beautiful music created by Vince Guaraldi Trio. What's really interesting is that he composed a song for the project, the Linus and Lucy song, very early on, just because the producer, the TV producer, was like a fan of jazz music and was familiar with his work. But then (laughs) Coca-Cola... commissioned if you want to talk about irony um a charlie brown christmas to like turn into this larger project right so then he was hired to write more songs for it and that's where in the like christmas time is here Mm -hmm. yeah and it's a beautiful song all of the music is beautiful but it's also like quite morose sounding yeah. it's like yes the mood yeah da, the da, mood da, da, da. like even that interval that it, that's a sad interval it, it yeah. truly da, truly da. is yeah yeah but it's yeah. absolutely brilliant and has has been recognized as such yeah well that music is so iconic when i heard it while watching it I was immediately brought back to when I worked at Old Navy during the holiday season (laughs) and they used to play the Charlie Brown soundtrack over and over again. Mm. So I just had these flashbacks of being there at Christmas time, folding piles upon piles of performance fleece. (laughs) (laughs) So I did have a moment where I was quite triggered. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because producers actually thought that this was going to bomb. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They were really worried that this film had a very blatant message, which it does. Mm-hmm. And the mood is so grim, which it is. And there aren't any laugh tracks or anything like that. Uh, yeah. But they, they, they didn't think it was going to do well. And then surprise, it did. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, it's interesting. It has a similar uh, lifespan to It's a Wonderful Life, where... Mm-hmm initially didn't you know didn't return the the costs that it thought it was going to um wasn't necessarily praised initially but then receives all these oscar nominations and then goes on to be you know one of the most iconic christmas films of all time same thing with charlie brown christmas where yeah they thought it was gonna bomb and it got ended up getting great reviews and is now living on every single year living Um, on on apple tv on apple tv yeah (laughs) Something that I think this that makes this work so well is that they actually use child actors for the voices of the characters. Mm-hmm. They are I did using not know that. Adult, That's awesome. Yeah, they're not using adult actors to voice these child characters. They're actually using child actors and the voices are ch- children's voices. And I noticed it immediately just as what as I was watching it that I th- I loved the sound of their voices and I mm-hmm. looked it up and it actually was a kind of a rogue choice for them to make to cast children it it just plays into it it plays into that naivety but also wonder and exploration that children have and I mean I can remember being a kid at Christmas time and thinking I should be so happy right now because it's Christmas but I'm not Mm-hmm. And why am I not happy? Like, this is the happiest time of the year, but I don't feel happy. I feel kind of melancholy. And I don't know. There was something about 
hearing children actually express those emotions mm-hmm. through this special that really resonated with me. Yeah. So, yeah, this movie, I mean, a childhood classic, but now one that I still will watch every year and just mm-hmm. speaks to me. And it's, I think it's just summed up perfectly in this quote from Linus. I never thought it was such a bad little tree. It's not bad at all, really. Mm-hmm. Maybe it just needs a little love. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, perfect. That <laughs> if that's tree. not the meaning of Christmas and everything, it's so I good. Know. Yes, I know. yes, the meaning of Christmas. Well, <laughs> so I do have a subscription now to, again to Apple TV again. because I got yeah. it to watch On the Rocks and then I canceled it and then I got <laughs> it again to watch Charlie Brown's Christmas. So I was like, all right, well, while I have it, I might as well watch Mariah Carey's Christmas special. Right. I got to say, I'm thankful that I did. For sure. <laughs> oh, it's my else. gentle butterfly <laughs> goddess. It's hilarious because I think that the people at Apple are just trolling us. Right. They're they're trolls. Like they're the ultimate holiday trolls because they've essentially paired a Charlie Brown Christmas with Mariah Carey's Magical Christmas special, which could not be any different from each other, Uh, especially the messaging. You've taken Charlie Brown with his little sparse tree and... Paired it with Mariah Carey in all her extravagance, (laughs) the epitome of actual materialism. And there's a part in the Mariah Carey special where she is promoting a Charlie Brown Christmas and actually sings along to the song. And I just thought it was so ironic that I actually loved it. I became less pissed off about having to get Apple TV again because I was like, that's the biggest troll move of the holiday season. They had a whole sequence <laughs> of like the Charlie Brown characters, yeah. cartoons yeah, they did. created yeah. for it. Yeah. I enjoyed every single, <laughs> single moment of this. Mariah Carey is fucking pure comedy. I don't care what anybody says. She is hilarious without yeah. meaning to be. It's just so perfect. <laughs> Have you ever seen anyone lit so gloriously? No, I've never seen that. Well, I couldn't get over the amount of wardrobe changes, hair and makeup changes that were happening here. Like, I that don't know That was not makeup, honey. Spent. That was just a bit of lip gloss. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> it's so funny to go from sweet little Charlie Brown Christmas from 1965 with like the most basic animation to yes I know the most extravagant production value ever for a Christmas special like I don't know what the budget for this was but it is a lot like Mariah's budget alone for her yes (laughs) makeup she even makes a joke about it in the beginning. She's like, oh, I see you read my rider. Yeah. Yeah. Like the real spirit of Christmas. Mariah Carey, everyone. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I know. But like, it's it's so, I don't know. It's just so perfect. <laughs> the way that she just lives this. Doesn't she just seem like your fun aunt? Edison, I watched this mm-hmm. twice today. <laughs> twice. <laughs> Two times. I just want to have drinks with Mariah Carey. I'm just like, you are just such a crazy, my crazy fun aunt. I did not realize that seeing (laughs) Snoop Dogg 
in a Santa <laughs> outfit was oh. exactly what I needed this year. When she no, cuts and she's like, that it's was Snoop and so Jermaine Dupri. And it's like, Snoop Dogg? It's so good. Yeah. The part with the Nutcracker ballet where it's mm. Mariah Carey's high note. I, I almost peed myself, honestly. I was having a great time. <laughs> and don't forget Ariana Grande and uh, Jennifer Hudson, her helper elves, singing yes, with her. It's true. <laughs> yes. Well, there was a point where I did think, like, is she going to let them sing? Or are they just there for harmonizing? Yeah. The latter. The backup singers. Yeah. Definitely the latter. For the most part, yeah. They were just there for uh, some backups. <laughs> yeah. So if you ended up subscribing to Apple TV Plus to watch A Charlie Brown Christmas, I mean, you might as well just watch the Mariah Carey Christmas special as well. You won't be disappointed. Yeah honestly it, it, it's something else. it's really something, it else. something else and i've honestly just as mad as i was about having to subscribe to apple tv i've told so many people about the mariah christmas special that i just got them so many more subscribers so i'm just contributing to the problem yeah <laughs> what is more christmas than mariah's snow globe boobs though that's the true meaning of christmas those boobs i couldn't stop staring at them <laughs> Yeah, her her boobs were like snow globes. It was spectacular. Okay, the last movie for our Christmas special of 2020 is the movie Happiest Season, which came out this year in 2020, mm. written by Clea Duvall and Mary Holland, directed by Clea Duvall, starring Kristen Stewart, Mackenzie Davis, Dan Levy, Aubrey Plaza, and many more. Happiest season follows Abby as she ventures to spend Christmas with her girlfriend Harper's family, who she'll be meeting for the first time. En route to the family home, Harper confesses to Abby that she lied about coming out to them recently and that they don't know that she's gay, and Abby will have to pretend to be her roommate. And thus begins the lesbian Christmas iteration of Get Out. (laughs) (laughs) Happiest season asks the question, how much would you conceal and tolerate to be with the person you love? (laughs) I mean, yeah. I can tell you exactly how much I would, and it would be, oh, I'm sorry, you haven't told your family yet? Perfect. Yeah. Let's go back now. Thank you. Exactly. (laughs) The story ends before it begins. Bye. (laughs) Yeah, so this was like quite a highly anticipated film for this year in part because it's one of the first mainstream Christmas movies that is centered around a gay love story. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, it does a big disservice, I think, to this genre and this subject matter. I do not think that this movie is well-written. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, yeah, you did not like this one. No, I very much did not like this. You know, from the second that Harper tells Abby on their way to her family's house what's going on, you stop rooting for this relationship. Mm-hmm. And if this film is centered around us wanting these this relationship to succeed, that is not a good start. And then it honestly just gets worse from there. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you guys think about this movie? Edison, what did you think about this one? I'm curious because Helen and I have kind of, we've chatted a little bit about it, but I actually don't have any idea what you thought. I would say that I found this movie to be regressive and irritating. but. Yes. Also, there were moments of it that I laughed and that I found funny and Mm -hmm. whatever. I can get behind... There's like a lot of shit that's like unrealistic and ridiculous and absurd. Mm -hmm. But that is to be expected in a lot of Christmas movies. So that I can like get behind. But Mm. fundamentally, 
I did find this movie to be a bit of a like step back in the wrong direction yeah. for like a queer yeah. love story at Christmas. I was just like, uh, I don't know mm-hmm. if we need this, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I uh, as much as I just love to pick a fight on our Christmas special, <laughs> I can't because mm. I do agree with you, Helen, and I love picking a fight with you. I know. <laughs> we always fight on Christmas. But no, I, I, I agree with you on this one. I actually found this to be the most depressing out of all the Christmas films that we watched. And not saying <laughs> For <some>. this special. <laughs> I honestly spent the whole film just feeling really, really bad for Kristen Stewart's character. Yeah. Through this whole film, I thought she was treated so horribly in this Mm -hmm. and there wasn't enough comedy or Christmas cheer to make up for that fact I thought that most of the characters in this film were really awful people at the end of the day really vile I thought Harper was (laughs) awful I was convinced from the beginning that she was a sociopath also a pathological liar like I just I did not feel that her being closeted or afraid to tell her Mm. family in any way justified her treatment of the character of Abby. Like It didn't. She's untrustworthy. And like coming out of the closet is an act that is scary, of course. And it's it's Mm -hmm. universal amongst every person who is out as an LGBTQ person. Mm -hmm. We have all shared that. That's something that we every one of us has in common. And so I can appreciate how that could with the position that Harper is in, but it is still unforgivable. And she's kind of an awful character. She's awful. But that's what I mean when I say the second we find out what's going on and that happens within the first, I don't know, 15 minutes of the film, it's irredeemable from there because I can't get behind a person who's so committed in this relationship to lure a partner and then on the way tell them, oh, by the way, they have no idea mm-hmm. that we're in a relationship. And also, you're going to have to pretend to be straight mm-hmm. while you're here. Like, that is so vile and disgusting. and to- Like, it's what a toxic relationship. The thing about Christmas movies, <laughs> when we have a conflict, is that the conflict, it can be real, but it can't be so awful that we... Mm-hmm. we don't get behind it. And I mean, this this movie's been compared to The Family Stone in saying, you know, that it's much lesser to that film. But, you know, you look at a movie like that where we're bringing somebody into a family who's trying to connect and there are real things that happen there, but it, it all is redeemable and it all is justified. And a film like this, like the thing that they're making, they're like, ha, 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 happy-go-lucky, oh, these silly people the behaviors that they're attributing that to are these people being homophobic. That's well, not abusive. Funny. <laughs> well, and, and that's abusive. Why the... Like it's just, it's so, uh, it boggles my mind. I don't understand why, how this got to this point where this film got made and With was all accepted of these by all these people. people. In it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And that's, and also like, this is where at the end, like I get it's a Christmas movie and we're supposed to just, everything's supposed to become all happy and like tied in a nice package at right. the end. But like, uh, what? That whole bit when Victor Garber, like the dad comes, they're all waiting for him to just like give their, give his approval. Right. And he's like, okay, no, I give fuck my that. approval. And then they're all like, okay, we're happy. And I'd be like, no, fuck you, dad. 
yeah, the actions that took place and the behaviors that took place and abuse in the film is it's too much for the idea of Christmas to fix. We can't, we just can't get behind that. Even between the sisters, the treatment from I know. Alice it's and so gross. to out Harper in front of her family and all of the family friends <laughs> there at Christmas was really awful and they just kind of yeah. turned it into this oh well it's our sibling rivalry rivalry because of our parents and I'm sorry what I did was wrong it's like no no it's gonna take no. more than that that was a, a really horrible moment that's like a traumatic event that would take years of therapy for somebody to work through like that's not a trope for a Christmas film and also the parents too poor Jane locking yeah. Jane like putting <laughs> Jane downstairs yeah. in the basement because she's a bit quirky and different it's right. just there's so many things that are really obviously just abuse. And it's supposed to be played for comedy. That's what is so fucked about this movie. The other thing, too, is that Kristen Stewart, she's not a slapsticky kind of actress. So a lot of her no. moments play so real Yeah, <laughs> a lot of the times that mm -hmm. you do end up just feeling bad for her for the majority of the film where is you know you you talked about the family stone helen and you and i mm. have kind of fought about the family stone here and there, <laughs> where i've argued about oh claire danes has to claire go danes, rescue yes. sarah jessica parker but there's something about that film where the tone is right the performances right. are right and sarah jessica parker a lot of the things she is doing she's contributing to a lot of this where with the kristen stewart character it's just a character being treated badly She's yes. not doing anything no. to encourage no. this kind of behavior towards her. The other thing, too, is that her and Harper don't have any moments when they no. are just the two of them where there's anything other than Harper being abusive Apologetic and, and, and like trying to win her back. Manipulative. Yeah. Uh -huh. And we yeah. and ignoring her at the parties like we've all experienced relationships where someone makes us feel invisible and it's right. the worst feeling like watching her mm -hmm. at those parties even when she's asking her, where were you last night? And Harper's mm. like, you're suffocating me. I was like, this mm. person's gaslighting you. Yeah. yeah it's Abby, a toxic relationship. You need get to get the fuck out of out. there. The worst part is that they end up together and it's justified by by Harper saying, you know, I've been closeted for so long. It just right. it doesn't justify the behavior. No. The only the only thing that could have saved this film is that is if they didn't end up together. Mm -hmm. Like how Sarah Jessica Parker and Dermot Mulroney do not end up together in The mm -hmm. Family Stone because they're not right for each other. Yes. That's yeah. part of what makes that film succeed. And Abby <laughs> told us that when she said yeah. to Dan Levy's character, well, I want someone who's ready. Yeah. I'm sorry, but that one little moment doesn't make Mackenzie Davis's character ready. Harper no, ready. Christmas doesn't Absolutely just not. make her suddenly ready to move forward with this relationship. Like, we just can't get behind that. The one thing about this movie that I adored <laughs> that was an unlikely savior is Aubrey Plaza. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I fucking loved Aubrey Plaza in this movie. Yeah. All I wanted was more scenes between Aubrey Plaza and Kristen Stewart. I know. I've never really found Aubrey Plaza sexy before, but watching oh, this, I was like, she is. oh my God, yes. she's yeah. so sexy. And they yeah. actually like, had really character. good chemistry. They had yeah. amazing chemistry. Her and Mackenzie Davis had zero chemistry. I know. But I mean, this is where this movie would have championed 
all of the subject matter. Exactly. If, if they had had Kristen Stewart end up with Aubrey Plaza in the end, which they didn't. But that is the shining star of this film is Aubrey she Plaza's was great. performance. She was great. Yeah. Or if she didn't end up with the Aubrey Plaza character, at least she could walk away on her own saying, you know yeah. what? I'm yes. glad that you have figured this out and I love you, but... I have to go my own way now. We're not right for each other. Yeah. That, I cannot believe they went with that ending. I did read a few reviews about this film and I, I found a, a quote for one of them that I thought summed up part of my feelings quite astutely. It's from Ian Thomas Malone. LGBTQ people don't have a ton of holiday staples to call our own. In some ways, Happiest Season doesn't fit this category either. It features gay people in lead roles, but this film caters almost exclusively to the guilt that heterosexual families might feel for their past behavior towards gay children. Everyone can take solace in the fact that they aren't as mean as as the Caldwells, but that's not a very good message to send regarding inclusivity. Amen, honey. Yeah, I I mean, I think in terms of, you know, having more Christmas-themed films exploring lgbtq issues is like great it's definitely awesome that it's moving mm-hmm. in that direction i just think that this one kind of missed it missed mm-hmm. the mark this year yeah we <laughs> deserve sure. more and better yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i yeah, agree absolutely i agree well guys there's only one way to end this very very special christmas episode of talk movie to me tequila shot no, Edison. <laughs> it's playing a fun little game of Mary Fuck Kill, Christmas mm. edition. Yes. So we're going to take some of the characters from the three films we talked about <laughs> and play a little MFK. Edison, <laughs> why don't you go first? You have some for Helen. Yes. Helen, here are your three characters. Mm. Designate them okay. as you see fit. <laughs> Mr. Potter mm. oh, from... Favorite. It's a Wonderful Life. Right. Pigpen from <laughs> A Charlie Brown's Christmas. And yes. <laughs> Mariah Carey's Snow Globe Boobs. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. Well, okay. I initially thought I was going to kill Mr. Potter, but now I'm remembering he's very wealthy. <laughs> so. And elderly. Also, Pigpen. Pigpen is a child, so that <laughs> does play into okay, it. Okay, well, don't judge me. I'm gonna kill Pigpen. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, we're not um, judging you. That's the choice you should be making. <laughs> no judgment. I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna probably marry Mr. Potter for that sweet, sweet inheritance. Um, and I'm gonna fuck Mariah Carey's boobs because why would you not? <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Wow. Sinclair, this is for you. Oh, boy. You have Jane from... I love Jane. Fair. Jane from uh, Happy Season. Yeah. Clarence from... Love Clarence. It's a Wonderful Life. And Linus's Blanket (laughs) from uh, Charlie Brown Christmas. (laughs) Linus's Blanket. Amazing. Just a bunch of sad sacks there for you. Wow. Okay. Actually, all great options. Um, well, I mean, the fact that Clarence is dead might Mm, cause a problem. Or you could kill him and it'd have no effect. That's true. You know what? I think that I really actually liked Jane a lot. 
mm-hmm. in Happiest Seasons. It, it's one of the only good parts of the film. Yeah, she's like one of the only characters that isn't horrible. So. I know. I, and I didn't even find her that annoying. I think that I'm going to... I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna marry Jane. Oh, actually, no. Be very dedicated. <laughs> but then I would have to marry into that awful family. Ooh, true. true. So, ooh, oh, that makes it hard. I just marry the blanket. Like that's so low stakes. Yeah, but I would feel really awful taking it away from Linus. But at mm. the same time, okay, I'm gonna kill Jane. <laughs> whoa, whoa, that took well, a sharp. What turn. a flip. I'm just going to take poor Linus's blanket away from him and just, I'll keep it. <laughs> I'll marry it. And I guess I'm going to fuck Clarence. Wow. Um, because, I mean, what would it be like to have sex with a ghost? I don't know. Hmm. He's not a ghost. He's an angel. It would probably be remarkable. Yeah, yeah. probably be amazing. You're so lucky. Well, I'll let you guys know <laughs> how it was. Uh-huh. Okay, Edison, here are your options. And listen, I have to say that Peanuts is not... not the Conducive to okay. Mary Fuck Jones. The Peanuts, the peanuts yeah. gang does not really work for this yeah. game at all. Very true. So here are your options. Number one, Santa Snoop Dogg <laughs> from the ah. Mariah Carey special. Uh-huh. Excellent, excellent. Two, Mariah Carey's high note. <laughs> Do what you will with that. And three, the sparse tree from a Charlie Brown Christmas. It may be thorny. I don't know. Oh, boy. Okay. I'm going to marry the sparse tree because it is symbolized. It symbolizes the meaning of a happy life. I'm going to fuck Mariah Carey's high note because it is inherently orgasmic. And I guess that means I'm killing Snoop. Oh, Snoop. Oh, Santa Snoop. Okay. well this has been our fourth annual christmas special um from all of us here at talk movie to me happy holidays merry christmas we hope you are enjoying this time with i mean not too many people because you're not supposed to do that but like (laughs) at least some people that you love and care about please be safe please wear a mask please social distance um, you can follow us at uh, Talk Movie to Me and Inst- Wait, I can't do it now that I don't have the pattern. Um, the pattern. At, no, the pat. Yeah, like when I say it in my head, it just. So this comes is what out. happens when we're drunk on the Christmas special. Yeah, <sighs> we're on Instagram. Talk Movie to Me. Talk Movie to Me. Um, talk Movie to Me Podcast dot com is our website. Patreon dot com slash Talk Movie to Me is our Patreon. Please. If you want to do anything this Christmas, no, that's too needy. Um, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Just go back to an old episode and listen to the outro. Okay, I'm Helen. <laughs> I'm sorry. Jess. I'm missing Claire. <laughs> and I'm Madison. Ha- happy Christmas. Oh, <laughs> I can't Please believe we that. didn't fight. I know we didn't fight. It doesn't feel like a real Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy.